This is part two of a conversation between myself, Pat McMahon, and David Rios. Part one is also available to listen and can be found on whichever platform you're on right now listening to part two. I don't know, like I, when I first started making things, so I started out drawing, like, you know, like as a kid, like I had a lot of comic books and I would like try to draw Spider-Man or, you know, whatever. Um, and then in high school kind of picked up the guitar and music and it's like music is interesting because like it can be this like total like solitary activity and like just a lot of practice and whatever but like almost I would I would venture to say like a majority of musicians like part of why you do it is because you want to share it with people and you want to be in front of an audience or on a stage or maybe not like on a stage in person, but like you want to get the recordings out and you want, you want some of that feedback. And it's like, you know, I still don't know where I stand on that. Like sometimes it's like, it's, you know, it's that thing of like, you don't want it to feel like pressure, but like you, it's almost like when you find the people that vibe with you and you trust and like kind of, you can share that, like you kind of realize that like, Oh, like there's, there is this like kind of community or like personal um, exchange that's like another layer of it, which which can be like really scary or like really nice, right? <laughs> a lot of the stuff you're saying I'm relating to very heavily because my, my relationship to music was really coming into it as this thing I could just do myself and like quietly kind of stow away. Um, and also because I'm always sheepish about like really putting myself out there and worrying if I'm going to be able to play well enough to like present something to someone. It took me forever to like even start to, you know, kick around the idea of playing music with friends. And I've started to do that now. Uh, my house is like pretty well set up for it. Um, I have a couple guitars and the, a keyboard and just one-on-one -on -one in small situations, like friends of mine that I know are, of a similar skill level, skill level, or like of a similar interest level to just goof around. Like I'm, I'm playing better. I know. And I, I think my, my friends are playing better by having someone to bounce off of. Um, you know, there's like, there's an aspect of my timing that's so much better when I'm with someone else. Like I can't, I can't keep a great, um, count on rhythm uh, unless someone is kind of there playing off of me, you know what I mean? So it's like, it really does unlock um, an enormous amount to be in collaboration, um, which is something that I think the pandemic probably put into a clearer light that I am. I think it maybe put into a clearer light for me that collaboration is more crucial to my life than I had initially thought or that I had been thinking for a while. Um, I'm curious what your like working style is. I mean, as a, as a teacher, I would imagine that a lot of the work is collaborative with the students, but also sort of solitary in that like you're maybe setting a lesson plan or setting a semester's goals by yourself. Um, I'm curious if you're able to, you know, like find collaborative opportunities with your peers in like a work sense, or do you, do you tend to more um, kind of work independently? Hmm. It's, 
Yeah, it's 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 these days it feels more independent, like especially because I like the thing that I want to be doing requires equipment, you know, like like I, at home I have like my soldering iron and, um, you know, electronics, you know, like breadboards and prototyping tools and stuff. But like when I want to build something like I really should be at work, like that's where we have power tools and, you know, uh digital fabrication machines and all that kind of, and like more specialized electronics tools, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so like th- th- it can, it can get pretty solitary. And, and the other thing is like at work, like we're a pretty like diverse skill set. So like half the people I work with also don't know what the hell I'm doing. <laughs> so it's like, <laughs> so it's like, oh yeah, like you, you do that thing over there. And I'm like, yeah, you like know what the internet is made out of. Cool. <laughs> Cause I sure as hell don't. <laughs> right. Right. It's like, it's like that thing of like, uh, the collective knowledge is exhaustive, but like there's not much overlap, right? right? Like everybody, all together, you guys have everything covered. Yeah, and and you know that's fine because that that does have it lends for some like neat kind of overlap, and and I sh- and I, I shouldn't say there's no collaboration because there's a, there's like a, a few people who I definitely like. I talk to them every day. I bounce ideas off of them. Um, and, and, you know, we, you know, we sometimes we'll talk very deeply about like, sort of like our own work, but in the context of like how to, you know, how to, how to give, um, how to provide like our students with knowledge, but also like an experience that not just delivers knowledge, but allows them to kind of practice as well. And, you know, it, it's always a little bit wrapped up in like, you know, well, we're here, we're at like this stage and like, how do we, we can't just dump everything on them. So like, what's the right, you know, what's the right mode or like, is what we're doing outdated and you know, this, mm. that kind of shit. How quick would you say things become outdated in your field? Um, pretty, uh, pretty quickly. There's a cycle. I mean, since I was a student, there's a few, there's a few like technology or there's a few like coding frameworks I would say that were like real buzz buzzy like kind of things that I'm not seeing out in the wild anymore um and they've been replaced by other frameworks and you know VR was around in the 90s right like maybe even earlier I don't know now it's back now it's back because you can do it on your laptop like you know it's it's a little bit cyclical in that sense there's a few um programming languages that I learned and I haven't seen them for years. I don't know who's using them anymore. So now I don't know them anymore. <laughs> like, yeah. You know, for me personally, like that's kind of why I like electronics. Like electricity is still electricity. We haven't, I mean, obviously there's people building like supercomputers and quantum computing and that kind of shit, which again, I'm not a scientist, so I don't understand that. Um, but, you know, fundamentals and like day-to-day type stuff hasn't changed that much. So, mm-hmm. you know, I... And, and that's actually like, that's the other side of my research is like, I like to, I, I, I'm hesitant. I call it research because it sounds cool. It's, it's just like what I do every day because it's, it's already been done. So it's not really research. It's more like um, me rounding out my knowledge base of, of, I do this code stuff. I kind of know electricity, but like, what if I just went deeper and actually learned it 
in my own way and form my own path, like that's probably going to be useful for a handful of students who also want to do the same thing, you know? Mm -hmm. That's really interesting. Do you find it, um, do, do you find yourself carving paths? Like, is that sort of your practice? That's something I only ask because I, I'm really, I'm really bad at visualizing sort of a path forward unless there's a leader. So I'm curious what your relationship to, to carving out a path, if you're able to see it or if you kind of need to just start chopping first and then you know, you, then you realize you're on a path. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. It, it's, I mean, my, my workflow is flounder and then <laughs> like hold on for dear life. <laughs> Fucking amazing, dude. That's great. I love the confidence to flounder. I love the... Um, I love the willingness to to know that you're floundering. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, well, you know, again, it's like it, it, it's all by kind of happenstance and pure luck like that that I've done it enough that it's kind of worked out for me. You know, like mm, I don't know, like like I've been at this job for a little while. Right. And spent a, the majority of my time here feeling like super uncomfortable because I didn't have a path and, or maybe I did and I just didn't see it or I didn't value it or other people didn't quite value it or, you know, like not knowing who values what, right? Like, uh -huh. you know, like in academia, it's pretty, and I shouldn't say it's, in academia, academia in general, like stereotypically is like super cutthroat and people backstab each other and like, you got to get tenure and all this kind of stuff. Yeah, right. I I only recently realized how cutthroat it was. Um, a few people in my life were going through grad school and and were kind of giving me an inside look at like just how, um, like just just things that I maybe didn't realize as an undergrad, but in like a grad sense, you're a little bit more aware than you might otherwise be as like a nineteen twenty year old, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of, you know, for, for the majority of universities too, it's like, it's, it's a business still, right? Like yeah. part of that turnover is you gotta, you gotta, what your, you know, your, your students are clients effectively. Some of them actually treat you like they're clients. Right. And it's like, I don't, I kind of, you know, I don't enjoy it at the moment, but I fully understand it, especially if you, you know, had to work to get to the university level or you, you're taking out loans or you uh -huh. know, whatever, right? Like, you know, I, I, it's, it's a very weird system to be in. Um, and, and the only thing I was going to say about it is like, I'm, I, I do feel pretty good about like this particular department in that the flexibility and the, you know, that like we're still in the university. So I'm, you know, whatever, but like I do feel at least um, that I've been given sort of like, yeah, like like sort of been given that like time to develop, you know. Um, I don't know. It's a weird duality. Like there's there's definitely like the still like we got to do the classes, we got to do this, we got to do that. But also like my day to day is like, I think this could be a class. I think I think this is a thread. Oh, like this this framework is really interesting and it looks like it's gaining popularity. Let me spend some time with that. You know, it's a little mm -hmm. bit of strategic um, decision-making, but also like 
I still think it's fun. And it's like, if I were a student, I would be doing this. Why don't I just do that then? <laughs> That's a wonderful mindset to take into it. Like the freedom. I don't know. It's just, it's really refreshing to hear your take on academia. You know, I've only ever been a student in that world. So like to hear that there are, you know, departments and professors that are like thinking about it as though they're students, it's really like, it's a fresh approach. I, I, I studied business in undergrad, so it was like very, it was very like, I was studying business at a time when it was starting to change. Um, there were like, you know, digital marketing courses uh, because there was like the recognition that like some of these worlds are changing. But in, in another way, like it was like the oldest, slowest moving ship at the school was the, was the the business arm of it was like, there's nothing changing. Uh, some of the, some of the folks that were teaching courses had been teaching those same courses without a lot of change to the, to the, you know, agenda in like 25 years. Cause they don't think that there's any change to the way that business needs to be working. Um, so it was, there were like, it was a strange environment to be in because it was like a, almost a rejection of the very clear, shifting change that was like coming, uh, you know, trying to adapt. Um, I don't know. I really regret having studied business in, in school. Like I, I've been thinking about that quite a bit lately. It, you know, in terms of a sort of the specialization you were talking about earlier, it really feels to me like I specialized in something that I, like I picked something when I was a kid that felt like it was a sound decision that, now I'm just like, I'm a specialist in something that I really don't give a shit about. <laughs> it's so useful though. I know, yeah, isn't it? It's just, gosh, you could, you could find a job right out of school. Go figure, go figure. Yeah, I know. And, and that's like the other piece of it too, is that I've been like very gainfully employed for a long time and just unfulfilled. So like there is a trade-off there between like, you know, I was, I was making that trade off passively for a really long time, not kind of, um, unpacking the fact that I didn't like the company or the environment or the client or the job itself. Um, and so, you know, the trade now to exploring more of those creative passions, working on this project, I mean, working with Amy has been tremendous as a part of Converge, like, the initial conversations I had with her really opened my eyes to the fact that you, you can kind of carve out something different. You can like, and, and while I don't see myself as the person carving it, like I can recognize that Amy's carving is what I want to follow. I don't know. I feel like I took that all over the place, but, um, but yeah. No, I mean, it, it resonates like, like, um, like you know a couple of things right like like with converge it's like part of part of the reason why i find this so exciting is because like even though like i i tried to actively like force myself to speak positively about my work and labor like it's not without the deep deep you know anxieties of of all capitalist environments right like you know the shit gets fucked up and and it's fun because like the good parts are actually really good and I do actually care and I do actually enjoy it. But like, it's not without all the other shit that we hate about our jobs. Yeah. <laughs> Anybody. Right. Yep. 
Yeah. Um, and, and for me, oh, I'm sorry. I don't mean to cut you off. No, good, good. Um, for me, just the acknowledgement of the fact that capitalism is like bearing down on us all the time, the acknowledgement in conversations with Amy, in conversations with you, in conversation with everyone that's a part of our group so far is more uh, transparent dialogue about it than I've had in eight years working in agencies. It's just so part of the baseline that it doesn't get talked about. And that got more and more alarming over time. Um, I don't know how it feels in a university. I don't know. Do you feel like those conversations around capitalism are happening more often in your workspaces than they were maybe five years ago? Um, yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, I, I mean, I worked for a long time, like doing crap that I hated. Yeah. <laughs> like, like my first job, I guess my first full time job out of college was like, I was like, you know, a, an executive assistant for, for a startup, which literally meant like, book the flights and schedule lunch and like walk the dog and you know like all this all this fucking bullshit that I was like how did I end up here like I went to college this should happen right and it was like you know it paid enough that I was like yeah I can't walk away from this just yet you know I have to I have to do it and like you know the idea that anyone in that company when it eventually grew would talk about like who's doing the same work for this for more or less money right like would never happen right and you know even even here which is a fairly open environment you know like i still hesitate sometimes like it's a thing i have to proactively try to like like get over that hurdle of like um you know like i've had some like pretty like um perceptive and open students who have asked me like hey but how did you get here or like wait a minute, you're a teacher here. Like, don't you make like blah, blah, blah. And I have to like fight the urge to recoil and be like, well, actually like, this is how much I make. And you know, it's probably less than like someone who's been here for 10 years or five years, but like it works for me and I'm happy. And you know, like that could be you, but honestly, like if you finish this program and go into one of these other fields, you could make twice as much, you know, like, I, you know, and also like telling them, like, you know, part of the reason why I'm here in the first place is because like I made nothing for a long time and got lucky, you know, mm-hmm. Again, like it's such a crazy selective process. That's like, y- you know, you can toil away doing something else. So like the whole time, like I was just trying to figure out how to make any of this work and still be happy. Um, so what I was doing before was I was working in a shop for a different university as like a shop technician and that paid like not very well but i what i realized is like i enjoy teaching i enjoy being in like the shop environment i like students you know like you know young young people with weird ideas um is a nice way to spend eight hours a day (laughs) (laughs) right you know when i was applying to grad school actually i realized that i didn't know how to code and i had i had given up on any sort of upward mobility so i would just like hide in my open office and like try to put different like structures around my desk so they wouldn't see that I was just like teaching myself how to code (laughs) on the job and not doing any of the stuff I was supposed to actually be doing (laughs) yeah you're just like staying one less you're like wait I actually need a little bit more 
Um, okay. Speaking of job, I should probably do my actual job. I'm supposed to. I'm supposed to meet with students for like, uh, you know, they're cool. They understand when I go over. Um, but uh, time to debug some machine learning. I guess <laughs> I think that's what I'm doing right now. <laughs> All right, perfect, man. Well, yeah. Good luck with the students, um, Rios. It was great chatting with you, man. Um, we should do another one of these. Just a uh, just a nice long chat. I think it'd be real fun. Yeah, no, this is this is awesome. Cool, man. I guess I'll I guess I'll hit the X. Yeah, I'll, yeah. Wait, uh, hang on. Let me stop before. I'm so I'm actually real bad at that. I I don't know how to stop anything. So. I don't know. Sorry, I just I also know I'm, I'm noticing it's like getting darker and darker in, yeah. on my screen. Like I, I, it doesn't look like it's gotten that much darker outside, but then I keep looking at myself here, and it's like I'm disappearing. <laughs> That's usually me, actually. Bring your full self is put together through the collective effort of the members of Converge Collaborative. If you're interested in learning more about our group, our work or would just like to say hi, you can reach us by emailing converge at convergecollaborative.com or on Instagram at convergecollaborative. We leave you today with a TV recommendation from our very own Amy Yoshitsu. Very busy doing that, and then every night that I came home, I was so tired. So last night, I binged the whole um, new Kevin Hart series. I don't know it. It's, it was actually very riveting. It was Kevin Hart and Wesley Snipe. Um, in this uh, series called True Story. And it's basically like, I was telling V about it. It was like Better Call Saul, because she's watching Better Call Saul right now. And so I was like, it's kind of like Better Call Saul, but about being black and famous in Philadelphia. It's basically hmm. like a murder mystery, kind of. I like that. Yeah, it was like very engaging, <laughs> even though I don't really like Kevin Hart. So like, whatever, I don't care about him. But I'm like, this is interesting.